On November 5th, 2022, Saskatoon police were called to a bar after reports of a seriously injured woman were called in. What the 911 call failed to mention was that Hodon Hashi had been stabbed multiple times in the face and the neck after a bar fight had been egged on by all patrons. Security and bystanders failed to stop the fight, step in, and intervene before it had fatally escalated. They failed to prevent Hodon's death and they failed to protect her life. Hodon Hashi was born sometime in 1999 to a Somali-Canadian family where she was one of nine siblings. She was a part of an absolutely huge family that has a lot of love and care for one another. They always supported one another and they always encouraged each other to be the best possible versions of themselves that they could be. Hoden's personality is described by friends and family as very loving, very caring, and very considerate. She was extremely kind, very sensitive, and gentle. She cared so deeply for others, and she was the type to give someone the shirt off her, her back if they were in need. She was described as a generally a very happy, very bright person. She enjoyed making others laugh just as much as she enjoyed to laugh herself, and she had a beaming smile that would light up literally every single room she walked into. She was so deeply and truly loved by everyone who knew her. She was also extremely ambitious and she had a lot of goals, but she was intent on achieving every single one of them, no matter what obstacles stood in her way. Her family had lived in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan for about a year in 2015 before making the move to Ottawa, Ontario, which is Canada's capital. Now, the reason why they made this move is somewhat unclear, but it is more than fair to say that Saskatchewan has a much different dynamic than Ontario. Canadians like to act as if racism, prejudice, and more specifically anti-Blackness aren't present and aren't an issue in friendly, loving, and tolerant Canada. But those issues are definitely present and they're more prevalent in the Prairie Provinces, Alberta, Manitoba, where I was born and lived for the majority of my life, and Saskatchewan. All of Canada has issues with racism, but when you're a Black or an Indigenous person or both in the prairies, that racism just hits a little bit different. Sometimes it's the subtle comments, people ignoring your presence or reaching out to pet you as if you are a zoo animal. Uh, sometimes it's bold and in your face, telling you to go back to your country, calling you a racial slur or being ready to fight with you simply because you're black or indigenous. Saskatchewan is an overwhelmingly white province. It's the type of place where white folks get off consistently when causing harm to or even murdering black and indigenous folks. This is very evident in the recent case that happened with Colton Bushi, an indigenous Cree man who was fatally shot in the back of the head by white man Gerald Stanley. Gerald pled not guilty and he was able to request a jury that had no indigenous people on it. So juries are supposed to be an, a representation of your peers. It's supposed to be a mix up of races, ages, all of those things. So for him to be able to exclude indigenous people because they would be prejudiced is a huge problem and shows the racism that's embedded within the system in Canada. He was also able to have other white folks raise thousands of dollars for him, but those same white folks made no effort to raise money for or support Colton's family in any way. And a jury actually acquitted Gerald of all charges, allowing him to not only get away with murder, but profit from it. So it's very understandable why the Hashi family only lived in Saskatchewan for about a year and then went to a place that is far more inclusive. Now, don't get me wrong, Ottawa still has its fair share of racial issues, uh, but they have a much larger black population and is far more diverse than any place in Saskatchewan. So when they moved to Ottawa, Hodan attended Sir Robert Borden High School. And in the summer of 2021, after she had graduated, she decided that she wanted to return to Saskatoon to work on her higher level of education, stating to family and friends before making the move that she wanted to return to a familiar place. Again, this is completely understandable. Like, yes, Saskatoon is one of the bigger cities in that province, 
but all prairie cities have a small hometown vibe kind of feel to it where everyone knows everyone or is connected to one another in some way. Even if the city is big, it makes it feel like it's somewhat small. So it's much easier to navigate that type of city than Ottawa, for example. She began to work when she moved back to Saskatoon. She was extremely happy with her move. And in January of 2023, she was to begin studying early childhood education at Saskatchewan Polytechnic. So on Friday, November 4th of 2022, 23-year-old Hodon and her friends went out on a Friday night to a club where a special DJ was performing. Now, this DJ was to host an after party at another bar, so Hodon, her group of friends, and a lot of other people went to that club in order to see that DJ play again, and it was an after party, so it was thought to be a little bit more exclusive, and it was supposed to be a lot of fun. So at this point in the night, it is the early hours of Saturday morning, so now going from the 4th to the 5th. So they went to Lit Nightclub, which sits in downtown Saskatoon above the Crazy Cactus Lounge and Restaurant, which they're under the same ownership, on the 200 block of 3rd Avenue South. Now, 22-year-old Paige Thoreau Fisher was also at Lit Nightclub. The police say Hoden and Paige knew each other, but this has not been confirmed or denied by Hoden's family and friends, so it's unclear if they did in fact know one another or how they knew one another. Now the events we're about to talk about will be discussing Hoden's death and they are somewhat graphic so feel free to skip to the next chapter that will be in the description. All of these things are alleged and nothing has been proven to be true. So sometime after 2am Hoden and Paige had actually gotten into a physical altercation. A female bystander who saw everything go down from start to finish said that before the fight even started Paige kind of caught her eye and she said she wasn't sure why but she believed that the two knew that they were gonna fight. And she said that this was clear to her and those around her. As Paige had words with Hoden, who was sitting in a booth, Paige then walked towards the bar, placed her purse down on the bar, and a line of people kind of cleared so that Paige was able to easily make her way back to Hoden. Paige, who was standing up at this time, then began to fight with Hoden, who was sitting down. It's clear that Paige was the one who instigated and initiated the fight. She would be the one to throw the first hit and the last one. As soon as the fight started, people crowded around the pair and pulled out their phones and started to record. Now, immediately after the fight ended, they posted the videos to every form of social media imaginable from many different angles. And that, along with eyewitness testimony, is how the public now knows what we know. I will not be showing the video and I will not be linking it anywhere. And I do not recommend that you or anyone else go and watch it. So as this crowd is forming, instead of stepping in, breaking up the fight, intervening to ensure the safety of both women, alerting security, or doing anything to help, they egged it on and encouraged the fight. The two fought in the booth before making their way to the floor. After they were on the floor, Paige placed Hoden in a headlock. The very DJ which they had gone to this bar to see announced, we have a bitch fight on the dance floor. As the two made their way to the floor, a glass cup went down with them. It's unclear if someone threw it down, if Paige or Hoden grabbed it as they were going down to the ground, or if it just fell when they went to the ground. So at this point, Paige is now on top of Hoden, who is on her back on the ground. Paige is kicking and punching her. Paige then grabs a sharp piece of the broken glass that was on the ground near them and proceeds to stab Hoden multiple times in the face and the neck. A huge pool of blood immediately begins to form underneath her. 
Only after Hoden was stabbed, Paige was pulled off of her and they both got up. Now it's unclear if this was done by security or other bar patrons. Someone had decided that the fight had gone too far, it was enough. So as they both get up, Hoden wipes her neck as if she hadn't fully registered that she had in fact been stabbed. She tries to walk away from Paige, but she only makes it a couple steps before she collapses. The same eyewitness from before stated that someone had pulled the fire alarm after everyone realized that Hoden had been stabbed. So everyone then began screaming, running, and the bar emptied quickly. Police and paramedics arrived on the scene at 2.41 a.m. after receiving a call that a woman was seriously injured. No one specified that she had been stabbed, nor that she had been stabbed in the neck where vital arteries are. When police and paramedics did finally arrive on the scene, they say that they did what they could to try and save her, but her injuries were too severe, and she died at the bar. On November 5th, so the same day that the incident occurred and the same day that Hoden died, the police made a statement asking for the public to send them any videos of the incident, come forward with any relevant information, as well as eyewitnesses. Paige was immediately arrested when police arrived on scene, and she was charged with second-degree murder. Second-degree murder in Canada is defined as a deliberate killing that occurs without planning and doesn't fall under the categories of first-degree murder, such as but not limited to killing during a hijacking, kidnapping, hostage-taking, act of terrorism, etc. So anything that is not first-degree murder is just automatically second-degree murder. The minimum sentence for second-degree murder is life in prison with eligibility for parole after 10 years, but it can be extended to the maximum sentence in Canada, which is life in prison without the possibility for parole after 25 years. But because you are given life in prison, just because you go up to the parole board after 10 years or after 25 years, they can deny your parole. So it is possible for a person in Canada to spend life in prison, but it's very unlikely this doesn't often happen. Hours after she had been arrested, and interviewed by police, they decided to downgrade the charges from second-degree murder to manslaughter. Manslaughter is defined as homicide committed without the intent of killing someone, although there may have been the intent to cause harm. There are two different categories of manslaughter. The first is an unlawful act in which a person commits a crime that unintentionally results in the death of another person. And the second is criminal negligence. So when the homicide was the result of an act or a failure to act that showed reckless disregard for the lives of others. There is no minimum sentence for manslaughter except when the murder is committed using a gun in which it holds a minimum sentence of four years. So because they downgraded the charges, it's likely that Paige will not receive any jail time. Police said that as their investigation progressed, they were getting new information and evaluating the information that they were getting, and as a result, they had to reduce the charge. It had only been a couple of hours after her initial arrest that they downgraded the charges, so what is the possibility that they actually received that much information that quickly in order to downgrade and just decide that that was it, that it was manslaughter? People were naturally extremely upset about this, and so on November 7th, the Saskatoon police made an official statement through their spokesperson, Allison Edwards. She wanted to say that the police are aware of the videos, and while they appreciate the public sending them the videos, the police have what they need. She went on to say that homicide investigators have a great deal of evidence to process the case. To me, this was an extremely odd statement to make, despite only two days prior, asking the public to contact them with any information they might have, making it clear to me from jump that they were planning on making things quite easy for Paige, making sure that she had the easiest way navigating these charges that would result in the least amount of jail time, if any jail time at all possible, allowing her to escape 
accountability and responsibility for Hoden's death. Initially, at the first court appearance on Monday, November 7th, 2022, the Crown prosecuting attorneys were against Paige's release and so she remained in jail and was set to appear in court on Thursday, November 10th, 2022 for a bail hearing. So Paige's bail hearing went on as planned on Thursday, November 10th, 2022. She appeared in court from Pine Grove Correctional uh, Center via video. So the Crown, the prosecuting attorneys, they were initially against Paige's release, but they went back on that really quick once Thursday rolled around, before Thursday rolled around, where they didn't even oppose her release at all. Instead, they worked together with the defense attorney to decide what the conditions of her release should be. So Crown prosecuting attorney Frank Impey and defense lawyer Sharon Fox collectively submitted a consent release plan to Judge Brent Clause, and it was accepted without hesitation. So there was actually no bail hearing. She was released on a $5,000 bond. Like, I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? Like, what? What? I also think that this is another reason why police had downgraded her charges. Um, because if she was charged with second degree murder, it's not likely that she would have gotten out on bail or the bail amount would have been much higher. So the conditions of her release were that she was released on $5,000 bond. She cannot consume drugs or alcohol. She is not to have any contact with Hoden's family or those who have shared videos of the fights. She must follow a curfew and adhere to that curfew, which is between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. She has to maintain her employment. She cannot mention Hoden, any witnesses to the crime, or Hoden's family on social media. Frank said to CBC News the day of the bail hearing that wasn't actually a bail hearing that there are three grounds in order to hold someone without bail, whether the public will be in danger, whether they're a flight risk and won't show up back in court, or whether there is the risk of reoffending. He said based on the evidence, it is clear on all three grounds that she would have been released. So he's saying that she would have been let out whether he was on board or not. So he decided to just get on board, which, okay. Like, who are you supposed to be helping here? Aren't you supposed to be on the side of the family? He also made a point to address the public and say that folks see the social media aspect and jump to conclusions. That after police had started collecting evidence, the charge was downgraded to manslaughter. And so he said, when people talk about a murder occurring, he can say without a shadow of a doubt that the police made the right decision here. The circumstances do not warrant a charge of murder. The woman was too stunned to speak. Now, Paige's attorney, Sharon Fox, said that Paige never intended for her evening out to end up with a charge with causing death. To me, this is kind of relevant because it happened and she's the one that did it. So whether that was her intent or not doesn't matter. She said that Paige's heart and sympathies go out to the family of the deceased. Didn't even give Hoden the courtesy of mentioning her name or even her family's name. She then went on to say that this is an event that is going to affect two families going forward for the rest of their lives. How absolutely disgusting is it to lump in the murderer's family with the Hashi family? They're not going to be affected in the same way. And so to say this is very disingenuous. And to me, it's very disgusting whether you're a defense attorney or not. Statement was absolutely unnecessary. If you're going to give your condolences to the family, do that wholeheartedly. There's no need to try and gain sympathy for your client. Her attorney also said that she is confident that as this matter progresses, all the facts will demonstrate that this was an act of self-defense that resulted in an unfortunate tragedy. Paige had the upper hand the entire time. 
So to now try and say that stabbing Hoden multiple times in the face and the neck was an act of self-defense is despicable to me and absolutely inexcusable. So it's very clear that they're going the self-defense route and they're also going to try and say that this happened as a result of the environment that they were in, that alcohol was a factor, and frame it as if Paige is a victim as much as Hoden was a victim. Paige is to return to court on December 15th of 2022 and I will be following this case all the way to the end. Based on how things are currently going, I am not expecting them to give Paige any form of jail time or any real consequences. They are going to play it off as if it could have been either of them who died as they were both engaged in the fight despite Paige being the instigator, throwing the first blow, and having the upper hand throughout the entire fight. Hoden in the videos did not have anything in her hands. So there's no way that Paige's life was at risk in the same way that Hoden's life and would eventually be at risk and that resulted in her death. They're going to try and frame Paige as a victim who was traumatized by murdering someone, framing her as innocent as they possibly can. She's traumatized enough, now having to live the rest of her life with the knowledge that she killed somebody. And so they're going to frame it as if that in itself is punishment enough. Over time, we are continually and consistently desensitized to, ba to Black trauma, Black pain, and Black death. We see this happen every single time a person is murdered or assaulted specifically by the police or they're a public figure. People aren't really as likely to discuss the circumstances surrounding the death of the person, but they are very quick to share images and videos of their brutalized dead bodies or the violence leading up to their deaths or even the acts that resulted in the deaths themselves. We saw this with George Floyd, we saw this recently with Takeoff, and we're seeing it again with Hoden. It's absolutely dehumanizing and demoralizing. It has become common and normalized to see the death of Black people as entertainment, as a clout token. The people who share the videos and the images do not care about the person in the video. They do not have any care or regard for the victim's family or loved ones who may come across the video and watch it unknowingly as they don't know what the contents are and it will traumatize them even further. In the Western world, this is a practice that dates back to enslavement when mob lynchings were common and everyone would gather around to see the torture and the murder of a black person. People in the crowds would be fighting to see who would be able to take home the clothes and body parts of the victim so that they could remember what they had witnessed. Now all people have to do to take home a piece of that brutality is click a little bit on social media. The practice of sharing inappropriate images of a black person's dead body or share inappropriate videos of them being assaulted, harassed, brutalized happens regularly on a global scale due to anti-blackness that rears its ugly head in small and large ways, all ways that harm us. So what is anti-blackness? The Black Health Alliance defines anti-blackness as policies and practices rooted in Canadian institutions such as education, healthcare, and the justice system that mirror and reinforce beliefs, attitudes, prejudice, stereotyping, and slash or discrimination towards people of black or African descent. The term itself was brought forth by Dr. Akua Benjamin, a Ryerson social work professor, and they brought it forth to highlight the unique nature of systemic racism, as well as the history, experiences, and continual colonization of Black folks in Canada. Now that is relevant to this case overall because the racist stereotyping is what is going to allow Paige to quite literally get away with murder. Despite Paige initiating the fight, having the upper hand the entire time, she could have simply gotten off of Hoden 
walked away at any point, but she decided to keep going and going. And yet it is being framed already in the media and by lawyers on both sides, the ones who's supposed to be prosecuting her and the one who's supposed to be defending her as if it was an equal fair fight. Paige has been seen as defending herself, despite all of the eyewitnesses coming forward to the media, despite all of the videos being released, which clearly show otherwise. Guaranteed, if roles had been reversed, Paige was the one who had passed away and Hoden was on top of her, she would have been charged with second degree murder, she would not have been out on bail, and no one would be portraying her as a victim. Even in her death, it is clear that both sides, prosecuting attorneys and defense attorneys, are going to attempt to villainize Hoden. They're going to try and throw her into the stereotype of the angry black woman. She was aggressive. She was dangerous. She was irrationally upset. There was no reasoning with her. Somehow it was her who initiated the fight. The onus and the blame will be put on her. And it's unfortunate because she is unable to defend herself and tell her side of the story regarding what actually happened. But this is all due to the anti-blackness which is ingrained in Canadians, specifically in the prairies, but especially highlighted in Saskatchewan. They are not going to hesitate in protecting Paige and defending her at all costs. The system is going to do everything that they can to make it seem as if Paige's actions were not only justified, but absolutely necessary. Anti-blackness and the angry black woman stereotype also explains why it is that everyone just stood around and either did nothing or encouraged the fight. The bystander effect definitely came into play to an extent here, but it wouldn't have been a factor had Hoden not been black, and that's undeniable. According to Psychology Today, the bystander effect is something that occurs when the presence of others discourages an individual from intervening in an emergency situation against a bully or during assault or other crime. The greater the number of bystanders, the less likely it is for any one of them to provide help to a person in distress. People are more likely to take action in a crisis when there are few or no witnesses present. The term and concept was popularized by Bib Latane and John Darley after the murder of Kitty Genovese in New York City in 1964. She was stabbed to death outside of her apartment and dozens of her neighbors failed to step in or call the police. The two main factors that allow for the bystander effect to occur are first the perceived diffusion of responsibility which means that the more people who are present the less personal responsibility individuals will feel to take action as someone else will do it or that's somebody else's responsibility that's not my problem the second is the social influence which means that individuals monitor the behavior of those around them to determine how to act so as soon as the fight started and it started to get kind of intense people pulled out their phones and were recording but then you also had the dj who was like everyone went there to see so he's kind of on a different level than the rest of them in terms of responsibility i would say in this situation he was egging the fight on and encouraging the fight so why would anyone then want to step in right so both of these factors clearly resulted in hoden's death another thing that just felt important to mention is that all of the eyewitnesses and the people who shared the videos they are now coming to media and having conversations with them doing interviews with them but they are all insisting that their names remain anonymous because they don't want the backlash so you felt no shame in recording it standing by watching it happen posting it to social media but now that people are criticizing you on social media for that you want your anonymity to be protected that's weird the media has also made mentions of the racial tensions or the racial comments that are being made about this case and to me 
in a place like Saskatchewan specifically, you cannot talk about cases where a white woman is a perpetrator and a black woman is the victim without talking about the racial dynamics. It just, it influences everything. It's a systemic issue, which means it invades every aspect of life. So to neglect to mention that dynamic is a failure to properly report on the story in its entirety. Anti-blackness on its own is deadly. Seeing black pain as entertainment on its own is deadly. The bystander effect on its own is deadly, but the combination of all three, where a black woman is the victim, the white woman is the perpetrator, and in a place like Saskatchewan, specifically Saskatoon, this is a combination that is going to allow for Paige to get away with murder. And unless public pressure continues, it's clear that the Saskatoon system has absolutely no interest in getting justice for Hoden and making sure her family gets the justice that they are seeking. But they have complete and 100% interest in protecting Paige and defending her actions. So the company who owns Lit Nightclub, as well as the Crazy Cactus Lounge and Restaurant, were asked several times if they had any comments about Hoden's death and the night in question. They refused to make one, but they wrote out a general statement to CBC and CTV News stating that we can say our establishment and staff have and will continue to provide whatever assistance we can to those involved. Out of respect for those involved, they finish it off by saying that they will not be commenting further. To me, this was a very interesting but also very telling statement because they are not outwardly expressing their support for Hoden's family, but they're trying to remain neutral in a situation that literally resulted in an unnecessary death of a Black woman in their club. This could and should have been avoided by their staff the minute the fight broke out that DJ should have known not to instigate should have known not to make things worse and security should have been there like that to break up the fight to clear the space and they should have been able to get to Hoden before she was stabbed multiple times in the face and the neck. If random bystanders were able to see that a fight was about to break out, how did staff and security not see it as well? Why did whoever made the 911 call not tell officers that Hoden had been stabbed? Why did they just say that she was seriously injured? Why did they not specify where or how? These are things that could have potentially saved her life in the end or extended it a little bit longer. There were so many things this establishment should and could have done to prevent this death from before the fight began to the 911 call. They failed her in every single which way and they should be apologizing to Hoden's family and doing all that they can to support them, not both or all parties involved in this situation. The support has to be with Hoden's family, not with Paige. And that should have been clear from the start. You can share Hoden's story, share this video, let people know that she was a joyous, loving, boisterous person. Don't let her beautiful personality and heart go forgotten. Have to, have to, have to, have to keep that pressure on the Saskatoon government's neck, the justice system, to make sure that the family gets the justice that they are seeking and that they deserve and that Hoden's death does not just go down as self-defense and manslaughter because that's not what happened. And you can see from the video and eyewitness testimony coming forward that that is not what happened. The fact that there are no Black folks, it seems, influencing the case, working on the case, speaking on the case, and the racial dynamics and the systemic racism is not being applied to the understanding of this case is a problem. I do encourage you to reach out and send emails, send letters, just do what you can to make sure that that pressure stays on their necks. I will have the contact information of the court system down below in the description so you can send emails if you'd like. 
Hoden's family has set up a GoFundMe to cover funeral expenses. And another thing that's in that's kind of disgusting to me is a lot of the articles that are coming out are saying that they're allegedly or they claim that this amount of money is needed for funeral expenses. And I'm going to tell you right now, speaking from firsthand experience, unexpected deaths result in a lot more expenses than you'd ever think. So they do need this amount of money, 100%, and no one should be questioning that. Definitely donate if you are in a position to do so. And if you aren't, then please make sure to share the link and encourage others to donate. Leave words of encouragement for the family and stay updated with the case as it progresses. Make sure to support the family in any way that you can. If you are religious or spiritual in any capacity, the family has asked that you keep them in your prayers. Hoden deserved so much better. So many people failed her in her final moments on earth. Let's not fail her again.